think I came up with a new phrase this morning. Um, I got up early, 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 uh, quarter to five. Is anyone up at that morning, that, that time of day? You know, you're a fool. That's what you are. <laughs> I got up and uh, anyway, I, so I do a daily video, uh, d- devotional video, and, and, I, and I called the one this morning the law of probabilities. And what does that mean? If something goes wrong, something else is sure to follow that will go wrong. And that's the way my day has gone this morning. So it's all right. But I've been, uh, I, I realized as I was in worship that, that I've been struggling for 20-some years with the church. And I say that because I struggle with who we are and who we are out there. And so what I want to do today is to challenge your thinking. I, I, if you know anything about me, one of the tags that I use a lot and I've used for 30 years of writing is called think about it. Think. Process something through. And 20 years ago, I went into a town. I was going to be candidating at a church, and I went into this community, and I went to different places. I went to the stores and the restaurants, and and I would ask them, I'm looking for a church in the area. Where would you send me? You'd You'd be surprised what they would say. And then they often would say, well, what do you mean? And I said, I'm looking for a place that's alive. I'm looking for a place like Cheers. Everybody knows your name, right? I'm looking for a place that you just want to go to and you can't wait to go back. You'd be surprised how many people said to me, I wouldn't send you to mine. Sadly. I asked people about the, the, I asked them about the church that I was going to candidate at. What about this place? Never heard of it. Really? I wound up going there to pastor, and my job was, I believed, to let the gospel be known. So that people, not because we were great, but because God is great. church. This verse that we have up there, it's when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say the Son of Man is? Can you imagine what would happen if you went around your communities and your neighborhoods and said, who is Jesus? You'd be surprised about some of the answers you'd get. Who is Jesus? Well, in this case, they said, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he said, but who do you say I am? He brought it right down to home. Who do you say I am? Think about for that for yourself. Who do you say Jesus is? 
Simon, Simon Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus said, you're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from a human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So, what is church? Boop. Are we not moving? Oh, I did it. I broke it. I already broke it. Oh, no. I know what I need to do. I need to... It is on. No, it's not on. Now it's on. Now it's on. Okay. There's the church. Is that the church? But many of us think that that is the church. On my way here, I was listening to a CD. Some of you still know what those things are. (laughs) I'm listening to a CD of Gangorian chant. Anybody know what Gangorian... I said it once, can't say it again. Gangorian chant is... Okay, well, you're just missing out on something. I can actually even smell the incense while I'm playing it. Now, I grew up Catholic, and Gangorian chant is uh, is Latin. Often, it's 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 the word. It's it's well. Anyway, you just have to be there. But it, but but this represents a lot of that. And I can tell you that I have walked into places like that and felt the awe of the architect. But is it church? How about about this? Is, Is this church? I saw a church once down in Virginia... And it was the first church of the ever-loving, faithful God of Jesus and his brothers or something. I mean, it was the longest name I'd ever seen in my life. Uh, Well, I mean, if we don't go there, how about this one? That must be church. Right? We do that. How about this one? Is that church? You see, the problem is, is that what I've been showing you is nothing more than buildings because that's the church. People are the church. You and me are the church. Now, I couldn't really find what I was looking for, but, okay, you don't have to raise your hand to be a part of the church. But the church is extremely important to God. What does that look like then? What, is it, what does it mean to, to have a church? Well, the Greek is ekklesia, the, the, the called out. <clears throat> In other words, that those who have become followers of Christ are called out from where they were into a new place. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But the problem is, is, well, we got to get the world out of us. 
I realize that one of the things that we've done, and I, I've just read something about this recently, that said in the 70s and 80s, the church took on a corporate picture. They took on a corporate way of doing things with leaders, with boards. And I get that. I was a part of that. But God doesn't work the way we think, does he? He works in mysterious ways. How many have trouble with squirrels in their heads? Because I just had a squirrel run through, and I thought, oh, I was meant to do this before. Some of you said, where's your wife? Did you get rid of her? I, okay, so we have a little Jack Russell, and the Jack Russell is 14, and she's starting to have some problems. She's my walking companion. Everywhere I walk, she walks, you know, about three miles a day. And the other day, a couple, two weeks ago, she had a seizure while we were walking. And so we got another dog Tuesday. We thought it was just going to be a little bit bigger than our Jack Russell. She's 44 pounds. My wife said, no puppy. I didn't get a puppy. I got a toddler. (coughs) So guess where my wife is? Home taking care of the toddler. Anyway, but when we think about church, what has God called us to? What is it that Jesus meant when Jesus said that he would build his church upon what? On the rock, on Peter? What does that mean? Or is it about faith and direction and guidance? How many have heard the, or maybe even used the word, left this service, left a service like this and said, whoa, man, did we have church today. I love that. But you know what? There are people out there that are dealing with all kinds of stuff. There are people going through the end of life things. Their families are going through the end of life grieving. There are people who have lost their jobs. They have lost family members. And do you know what? They need the church. But they don't have it. Why? What's the best restaurant in town? Here's the thing. The best restaurant in town becomes the best restaurant because people bring other people to it. And because of word of mouth. Oh, man, you want to go to Sheets? They got the nicest hot dogs. Two for a dollar. They might kill your stomach, but you'll be fed. The reason that places become popular is because other people talk about them. Do we talk about the Lord? Do we talk about what God is doing? We sang, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. 
oh, I want to go out of here filled with the Holy Spirit so that whenever I walk, people fall over. I don't care. I mean, you know, I want the power of God resident in me in such a way as people meet Jesus. Not me. I'm insignificant. But God wants people to hear the what? Good news. The good news. Remember this verse? We just looked at it. Jesus talked about building his church. Building his church. What does that mean? Because you see, we are a part of his church. I I have a pet issue. I have a few, actually. Don't talk to my wife. She can tell you. But I have one of my pet issues is we, we talk about we're going to go out and plant a church. Do you know if you go out and plant a church, you will very rarely get disciples. But if you go out and build to build disciples, you will always get a church. Think about that. You see, because when you're going out to build a church, you're, you're going out to create a building, create a service, create and a something that the world sees and understands as a church. But it doesn't mean you're going to have disciples. And Jesus went out to get what? Disciples. Not to build a church. In fact, what I love about the 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 the, the New Testament and the book of Acts and all of that is that Jesus picked out people that were ordinary people. They did not go to rabbinical school. They were just normal folk. And I believe that the greatest ministry we have is with people who are just nobodies like the rest of us. We don't have to be anybody. We just have to be willing. A lot of years ago, I had a pastor that used to say, God can enable the unable, but not the unwilling. Think about that. You've got to be willing. Is it hard sometimes to be the good news to people? Yes, it is. Sometimes it's difficult. But being the church is something that we have the opportunity to be doing every single day. Look at what it says in 1 Peter. But you are not like that, he says, for you are a chosen people. I like it where... I think it's in the King James that says you are a peculiar people. I like peculiar. I, I, I really like being peculiar. I don't know. I mean, it's just sort of, for me, it's normal. But if you, let, if you met my other brothers and sisters, you would say, you're all peculiar. In fact, my brother-in-law and my sister were at my house this past week. And my brother-in-law said, you know, your whole family is just weird. I said, I know. We all suffer from obsessive-compulsive disorder. And what does that mean? We're like a bulldog. We are latched onto something. We can still breathe, and we won't let go. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could be Scripture, or it could be something to fix around the house. But I think that God has called us to be that way. We need to be obsessive-compulsive about Him, about what He's done. 
But yesterday, <clears throat> I, had to, I took my brother-in-law up to Hornell, New York, and to meet my sister who was coming down from Rochester, and then the two of them were going on to camp with his family uh, in, on west eastern New York. And then I left there and I went down through Cowdersport. You know where Cowdersport is? You, you, you have to have a reason to go to Cowdersport. What's that? Stargazing. Yeah, stargazing up in, uh, in uh, Cherry Springs. That's right. So I went, I went because my head elder, when I pastored in Cowdersport, my head elder, good friend of mine, Bill. Bill's a retired state trooper and uh, loved the guy. He's got about two weeks to live, if even that. And I stopped in to see him, and I didn't really want to. You know why? Because I, I, it's hard. It's hard to sit with people who are dying. And if you've been there, you know that. But it's life. It's life. I have a friend of mine who, who sings over people, particularly she was in the hospice care. And one of the things that she would do in hospice is sing over people as they were passing from this life into the next. You see, when God calls us to be the church, He calls us to step off into things that will be uncomfortable. It's not easy. I don't care how many times I've done it. It's still not easy. Another good friend of mine I talked to him yesterday, and his mother just passed away. Last week, she was doing fine, and she was in a rehab because she had broken something, and she was bleeding internally, and they couldn't fix it, and they couldn't stop it, and she was gone within hours. He sent me a note on my way here this morning, and he said, Bernie, he said, I need some wisdom. He says, my ex-wife wants to come to the service, and I... My wife doesn't want her there, and my brother doesn't want her there, and I don't know what to do. These are real-life issues. And we're the church, and we have a God who gives us wisdom. We have a Holy Spirit that gives us wisdom. And so he said, don't hurry with your answer, but pray with me that we do the right thing. Because I want to do the right thing. And the right thing may go against some of his family. But you see, we're the body of Christ. We should be the go-to people that people want answers from. So we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation's God's very own possessions. As a result, we can show others, look at that, Others, the goodness of God. Others need to see God's goodness. One of my, one of the, <laughs> I'm laughing because I, I, I have issues. <laughs> what I mean by that is uh, pet peeves. You ever heard someone say, well, God must have needed another angel in heaven? I want to slap him. I want to slap him. God doesn't need angels. He's got so many angels now, he doesn't know what to do with them. But uh, what we do is, um, sometimes we try to explain away the pain of life. 
uh, year, just over a year ago, and I think I've shared this before, my, one of my daughters passed away. Shortly after she passed away, my granddaughter gave birth to a set of twins, and they didn't make it. And I, I did my great-granddaughter's funerals. It's hard. But here's the beauty of that pain. Because of that, they now have started a nonprofit organization to help people with pregnancy loss of all different types. Why? Because God takes our pain and, you know, he takes the ashes and makes beauty out of them. But who is, who's called to carry that message? The church. No, but we're the church. It's not just this place. It's us who happen to be here. And you're a good-looking group. You know that, right? All right, maybe you don't. We'll have to tell Tim that. Look, this is what Paul says. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Good works. Here's what I challenge you to do. I challenge you to maybe throughout the day, maybe just when you get ready to go to bed, ask the question, Lord, have I done good works today? Now listen, good works are not going to get you into heaven. We know that. We're saved by faith, not works. But good works come out of the relationship that we have with God the Father, His Holy Spirit, and Jesus Himself. And we must be having that. The question is, are we, are we really... Are we really living a life where our good works are showing? Last Sunday, I came home about 2 o'clock, and I don't remember now. It's what happens when you get old. I don't remember what I was doing last Sunday. I could look in my calendar and figure it out, but I came home at 2 o'clock, and as I'm walking on the sidewalk to the back of the house, I see water all over the lawn, a lot of water. And then I look between the two slabs of the concrete in the sidewalk and I can see water running out into the lawn. And I checked my water hose that was right there and it wasn't that. And I went in the house and said to my wife, I said, we have a problem with water. And I went down in the basement to check down there and there was nothing down there. Everything was dry. And I went back up and I looked between the sidewalk and the house and it was Well, it was just full of water. And I said, we have a problem. And I knew what the problem was. We have a water leak in the main. And it's Sunday afternoon. The short story is, my two of my neighbors, two of my grandsons, my granddaughter, and my son-in-law, They found out that I was digging up my water line by hand. And suddenly everyone showed up. That's the church, folks. That's the church. 
And I can tell you that it, that it, it blessed me. It blessed me. My son-in-law, when he got there, he came down with all the parts that I was going to need because Lowe's was closed. And we got it all back together. It took the water company three hours to get there to shut the water off. But because of my neighbor, we found out he worked on who to call and made numerous phone calls to get to the one that finally, oh yes, you need Tom. Otherwise, we would have had no water until the following day. This is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring, what? Good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives who would be released and that the blind would see and the oppressed would be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Do you realize how many people living around us are poor in spirit, are struggling in life? That they're held captives by anxiety and fear and all kinds of stuff. And they need a hope. And hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. And how will they hear except we preach? Oh, but I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. Sure you are. Everything you do speaks volumes about what you believe. You see, you can come to a building and do all the things that the organization asks you to do and then leave and go out and live out there like an unbeliever. And that's why people say, if if that's what a Christian is, I don't want to ever be one. I had a good friend say to me, who is a businessman, And we're talking about Christian ethics. And his response was, business ethics and Christian ethics don't mix. I said, if you're a follower of Christ, they certainly do mix. Because Christian ethics supersedes business ethics. We're still (laughs) good. This is like 20 years ago. This conversation happened. And we still because they're good friends, we still go through this conversation. Who I am here needs to be congruent with who I am out there. Why? Because I'm the carrier of good news. And if I don't have good news for people, I have what? Bad news. I don't have anything to give them. I have no hope to point them in. I have nothing for them. And the thing is, is that God has called us to be bearers of his message. When he said in Matthew, go into all the world and preach his gospel, what does that mean? I believe simply that means is live it and speak about it. It, it is, I chuckle at people that, and because we're in western Pennsylvania, I mean, people talk about the pirates or the stealers or, Some of you talk about Buffalo Bills. I don't know about that. But anyway, 
So, but you talk about them like a daily occurrence. It's like, whoa, did you see what happened yesterday at the, on that game or whatever? And why? Because it's where our hearts are. Our hearts ought to be like that with Jesus. And I want us to think about how we are doing that. How's that working out? You know, uh, Pastor Tim tells me that I'm to take all of the time because then it looks bad for him. So, Pastor Tim, if you're watching, sorry, bud. Look, when the good news is focused on our lives, then our focus will always be on people and not, and, and rather than ministry. And one of the problems that we do in the, what I call the church, the organization, is that we focus on ministry. We need to have a ministry for this, or we need to, like, we, we need to have a ministry for the homeless, and we need to have a ministry for people who are uh, destitute, and, and, and for young mothers, and all of these things. And what happens is, and the danger is, and it happens too often, is that we become focused on the ministry, and not the people of the ministry. Let me share something, and I... That, that I came across the other day. Um, we must, and this is Kelvin Miller wrote this. We must always be aware of the effects of our service upon those that we serve. Kelvin Miller, a well-known author and pastor and professor, passed away in 2012. He grew up in a very serious poverty in the later years of the Great Depression. He and his family were the grateful recipients of charity during those years, but they also, and this is important, they were also ashamed of their need and wise to the ulterior motives behind it. Observing the irony of it all, he later wrote in his memoirs, I never felt particularly poor until the rich came by in December to leave us a Christmas package. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. Each time they stopped by, I laugh at this, each time they stopped by, they tried to win us to the Lord. They meant well, they were just trying to keep us out of hell until the next holiday. Or at least that's what I thought. <coughs> Needless to say, we children didn't want to go to those churches that brought us the baskets. The last place you want to go worship is the place where the people need you to be poor so they themselves can feel rich in the dispensation of charity. There is something grandiose about giving a beggar a dime, but there is nothing grandiose in receiving it. Beggars don't ask for money so they can thank, think well of themselves, but because they're feeling bad about themselves is usually less painful than starvation. We can avoid these pitfalls only by creating a genuine service culture that permeates our lives and the life of the church, a culture in which ordinary actions of service are a norm 
in and out of season, without the need for congregational acclaim. Now, what I realized when I read that is that it's so easy to be doing something that's good, but it only satisfies our own inner stuff. And it really doesn't help the person with the good news that we're trying to give them. Jesus was good to everyone, regardless of where they were in life. And one of the things that we we must learn how to do is come and sit with the people. When I went to look at this dog on Tuesday, guess what I did when I got there? Now, he's 55 or 44 pounds. He comes out, and I went down on my knee, and I got level with him. Why? Because I don't want to be intimidating. But do that with people. Do that with children. You'd be surprised what changes in the atmosphere because you get where they are. I, too many times I, <laughs> I, I, I've been in homes where I've seen rats run across the rafters and I'm eating dinner. But you know what? This is the best they have. So I'm going to, and in fact, what I've learned is a lot of times what people will do is they'll give you the best of what they have for that meal that was going to last them for the whole week. So how do we do that? What, when the good news is the focus of our lives and our focus will always be on people rather than the ministry. And we can get so caught up in the ministry that we forget it's for people. Now, understand, I don't have and I cannot give you exactly how that should look in Oil City, in your lives. My challenge is that we need to be thinking about it and talking about it. It's too easy to start a program that the program becomes the focus. A good example, and I might step on someone's foot here, and I don't mean to, but a good example is Vacation Bible School. Vacation Bible Schools are done by churches all over our country. They were started for very good reasons, but they become a life of, unto themselves. And they, and they may not actually accomplish what we're really trying to accomplish. Now, I'm not saying you're, I don't even know if you do one here. But what we're doing, and one of, the, one of my concerns used to be that all we were doing was providing a week's babysitting service, and the next week, the Methodist church did it, and the third week, the Presbyterians did it, and then the Baptists did it. And they were like, for five weeks, they were week after week. And yeah, it was great for moms. Drop the kid off. See you later. So in Romans eight twenty nine, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. If we're to be like his son, we are to be message bearers. 
and so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers. So if we're going to be like the Son of God, we are to be carrying the same message. We must have the message of good news. You may have noticed I have a couple tattoos. Now I can tell you that I never, I, I, I did not ever get a tattoo until I turned 70. So if your parents are wondering what you're going to do now that this guy has talked about getting tattoos, tell your kids when they're 70, they can get a tattoo. But what I have is I have two, I have on this arm, hope has a name. And, and over here is just hope. Why? Because this carries a message with it. And as often as I can, I talk about it. I will ask people, tell me about your ink. What does it mean? What does it say? And that usually causes them to ask me the same question. Oh, this is about Jesus. You know, in my life, I have tried to find happiness and joy in a lot of people and things, and they all failed me. And I came to an understanding one day that hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And usually by then, I start to get teary-eyed because it also represents a good friend of mine that passed away at 54. And I still miss him. And I don't understand why he died. I mean, I understand medically why, but I don't understand God why. But how many of us have those same feelings about someone we've lost? And you see, at the end of the day, I have a hope. I have a hope. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus is Lord and we ourselves are his servants. For God who said, it was God who said, let there be light in darkness has made light shine in our hearts. See, we're the light of the world. We're the light of the world. And as much as it's great to be in here, and I love being in here, we need to be the light out there. And the prayer simply is, Lord, how do I show light today? When you walk into Walmart, or you walk into Sheets, or you walk into wherever you go, pray and say, Lord, I'm going in here to pick up whatever I need to pick up, Is there another reason I need to be here? And let him lead you. You will be surprised. I've had a friend of mine who now works in Walmart, but when she would, it was not unusual to find her laying, not laying, but kneeling on the floor with someone in prayer. Because she found that God had a mission for her. And if she would be open to what the Spirit was saying, It would show up. So God has made light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This this makes it clear that our great power is from God and not ourselves. Have you ever had someone come up to you and say, what is different about you? (laughs) 
God is. What you see is his light, because I'm a scoundrel. That's my wife. I've been married for 56 years, and bless her heart, she's put up with me. I don't know how she's done it, except I tell her how cute she is every morning. So maybe that's a help. I don't know. Remember, I said this before, but look, when the good news is the focus of our lives, then our focus will always be on people and not ministry. And, and I can tell you that, that, that sitting down and talking about this is, needs to be done with much prayer. I, my, my favorite prayer, one I, I, maybe it's not my favorite, but I use it the most, help. You ever use that one? Help. Or I say, Lord, how do I do this, Lord? How do I do this? I, I'm supposed to be, I, I think I'm supposed to be retired. I don't, I, you know, I, I'm 75 now, and I'm like, Lord, how do I, I want to slow down, but you've given me more things to do. <laughs> really, Lord? Come on. But you see, the problem is, is that there's more people that he died for. And who's he going to use? I don't know about you, but I can't find that word retirement in the, in the scriptures. In fact, the t- retirement plan of the disciples was terrible. They were stoned, hung upside down to die. I mean, okay, we'll have fun while we're doing it. And so, these are questions for you. So, do we exist for ourselves or for others? Does Oil City Alliance Church, Community Alliance, exist for just you? Or does it exist for the community and beyond? And you have to ask yourselves that question because God has called you to what? The world. Is our ministry about ourselves to make us feel better or is it actually for others? And I can tell you that if it is for others, it will be difficult. It's just the way it is. There's an enemy. Jesus came to do the will of the Father and it was a cross at the end of it. It was not a pleasant journey. And yet, it was still part of God's plan. So I want to leave you with just this thought, just this. What's the point of your faith? Because that's really what it's about. What's the point of your faith? If when you sit here and, you, and, and, and if you just said that, Lord, what is the point of my faith? And let God reveal to you what he sees. It may change everything that you do. Because personally, I believe that our faith is for others. Our faith is to be lived out in a manner that affects others. My goal in life, and I don't know when I developed this, but it's been with me for a long, long time. Hi, 
Silver. How many remember that show? The Lone Ranger. Now, I don't want to be the Lone Ranger, okay? I, am, I don't believe in being Lone Rangers. But what I loved about it was he went in and he did good and people's lives were affected. And when he left, people went, who was that? Who was that masked man? And I've always loved that idea of being anonymous in such a way as people wouldn't remember my name. But because of my involvement, they were changed. And that, I believe, is what God has called us to be. Not to be such of an impact that people go, Oh, man, Bill, what a man of God. No, I think it was, we met a man of God. What was his name? I don't remember. But we were challenged and we were changed because of his presence with us. That's what this oil... City Community Church should be like. We had a church come in and they did this and they did what church? You know, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't even know if they told us. But oh, did we feel Jesus while they were here? Wouldn't that be awesome? (laughs) I. uh, Okay, so I'm not always smart. I I I. I probably ought to ask God before I do some things. But I, I saw that you're having Heritage Days, Community Days, you're having something here. In the town I was pastoring in, they had, they had Community Days. Guess what we set up? We set up a, a pie-throwing booth at me with whipped cream and shaving cream and whipped cream, and they actually had some pies. And they got to plaster the pastor. <laughs> Now, you say, well, what does that got to do with the gospel? What it had to do with the gospel was it got us to meet people. It got us to be known. Because my desire was that people would know us as a household name. You want to go and, and, and get prayed for, go there. You, you want to be loved, go there. We did a... We did it for a while. We did a ministry that we would change the oil on people's cars, and particularly widows and divorced people. And and I'll tell you, I got flack from my elders for doing that. I said, well, oh well. But we did it. We did it because it was ne- it was a need. Now we we were, we were smart enough to have a funeral over the ministry when it was no longer needed. And that's the problem. Sometimes we're not smart enough. So, as the worship team comes, I want you to think about that. What is the point of our faith? Use it personally. Use it corporately. And ask the Lord to reveal that to you. What are we here for? What is Oil City Community Alliance here for? Not for us. It's for the world out there. I always find it interesting, too, when you have a guest speaker come in and you pick out songs, and it's like, I wonder if it's going to even match. Well, 
It did. Because, you know, Bernie talks about what's the gospel. Well, the gospel that God so loved you. So we're going to sing that. I challenge you to think about that. Think about a simple way to share the gospel. Maybe it's just your story. You know, that's what we tell the youth group kids. Hey, you don't have to be any big preacher or anything. Just share your story. That's the challenge, you know. Share your story.
said it before, our, our story, our story is the best gospel, because it's easy to tell, it's yours. But someone needs to hear it, because they need to hear about your pain, and your struggle, and your failures, and your, and your triumphs. And that person may walk into your life today, and God will give you an opportunity to do that. And sometimes you'll walk away going, oh, I blew it. I didn't do it. It happens. It happens to me. It still happens to me. But God will give you opportunities to be the church. All I will say is do it. Father, as we leave here today, take us into that place that you want us to be. And Lord, let there be an opportunity, perhaps even next week, of testimony of how that's worked. Because we need to hear those stories of your workings in our lives. Because it is hope, and it is our hope for tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh God, so-